You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 226, James Early and the Value of Christian Unity. We're all in this together, friends. is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I don't know how you found us. Maybe you're a longtime listener. Maybe you uh, just found this episode in your feed somewhere. Somebody shared it on social media. I don't know. But either way, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, This is going to be a great conversation. I know it. So I can't wait to share it with you. By the way, I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thanks so much uh, for just listening. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to go out to halfwaytherepodcast.com, please do that. That's where we keep the show notes. Any books, any ideas, any websites that we mentioned here today are going to be listed there in the show notes for you to t- check out. And if you like the show, you support the show, if it helps you on your journey, you want to support it, we'd love to have you support us on Patreon. You can get early access to episodes uh, at $25 level. You can get some cool swag for uh halfway there as well. Usually I wear my halfway there shirt when I on recording day. I didn't today, but it's uh you can get one. I'd love to send you one. That would be great. Uh, just uh, go into Patreon as well. Today, our guest is, uh, he's a fellow podcaster. He's done some prison ministry. Uh, he mentioned that he was a stay at home dad. So I can't wait to hear all about that as well. Our guest is James Early. James, welcome to halfway there. Hey, thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you along. We've become podcasting friends because you have a podcast, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the name of my podcast is The Bible Speaks to You. And I'm just now coming up for my one-year anniversary. I've been doing this for over a year. I can't believe how quickly (laughs) and how long that year has been. It flies, right? It flies, and yet it seems like I've been doing it forever. I know. (laughs) I, I get it. Well, man, I've just passed in June, we passed. So by the time this comes out, it'll be like four and a half years. And I can't believe that. Wow. Right? Like that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which come a long way since then. Right. Right. Yeah. Which means I've been working on podcasting for over five years, which is right. That's right. insane. Anyway. Well, it's been, it's been a good journey for me. And really the focus of my podcast is uh, my goal is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus without all the theological debates that we have gotten in over the last 2000 years. I mean, I love a good theological discussion, <laughs> but at the end, but at the end of the day, we don't always agree on that stuff and I'm more interested in what did Jesus actually say to do? What how did he tell us to mm-hmm. think and how to live our lives and how to treat each other and how to worship God? And so those are the things that I try to focus on in my podcast. And I want to help people learn to pray more effectively and experience God's presence in their lives and get a taste of what he meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand. What does that really mean? So those are the kinds of things I do in my podcast. Yeah, which is a really important concept, isn't it? And I, I, I look, I grew up in the church. I didn't really learn about the kingdom of heaven or the the whole idea that the kingdom is near until college when I got a biblical studies degree, right? Like I was like, why didn't I ever learn about this? <laughs> well, we I don't think we've scratched the surface on on yeah. the implications of what that is all about. 
Yeah. And yet that's the very first thing Jesus said. He said, Hey, I've got great news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, um, you know, we focus on all this other stuff, but that was part of the good news yep. that it's not way off in the future. You don't have to wait till you die to experience it. Uh, and we experience it by degrees, but it's here now. It's present. Amen. Amen. Okay. So all of that, I'm sure was a journey to kind of come to understanding <laughs> those things. And that's what we talk about on halfway there. So I'd love to hear that. I know you grew up in Texas, right? So Bible, yep. Bible belt, kind of a, kind of a world. Did you grow up in a Christian family or no? I did. Uh, my dad was a Presbyterian. My mom was a Christian scientist. So we had a lot of Bible in our home. Um, every morning at the breakfast table, we'd have a little devotional. Uh, my dad would, well, at one point we did something from, what is it called? The upper room or something. I think the Methodist church puts out. Okay, um, it, was a little daily, it was a daily devotional thing. We read that every morning. Then at some point when I was like in seventh or eighth grade, or even before that, we started reading one chapter of the Bible every day, um, either at breakfast or at dinner. We skipped a few days. It took us about seven years to get through that. <laughs> but each one of us would take a turn reading a chapter. And, you know, so I kind of grew up with, uh, you know, the conversation about God and going to church and Sunday school and... um it was always my mom would read me Bible stories at night and uh, we'd talk about them. You know, we'd talk about the Ten Commandments and what they meant. And it wasn't some big heavy handed, mm. you better do this or you're, you know, you're in trouble. It was just like, hey, this is a wonderful way to, to be. Yeah. It sounds like faith was always a part of your life in one way or another. It has been. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did that then, you know, of course, it's a question I always ask, how did it become personal for you? Like where you know, how did that start to become something that you had faith? I'm still working on that. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> doubt. no it's been, it has been a journey uh, over many years. Um, I grew up I, going to my dad's church, the Presbyterian church, and I loved that church. It was full of a lot of wonderful people and dedicated Christians. And, but when I was in high school, um, I started having those questions that we often do that, Things, some things just didn't make sense, and some of the answers that they um, gave to my questions seemed like just what they people had been saying for hundreds of years, and said, "Well, this is what you have to believe," and so if you don't, you know, that's you're just off track. And their answers didn't really answer my, I, didn't satisfy my uh, my questions. So, what, what didn't satisfy though? Like, what was well, the for example, I remember one time in Sunday school, I was probably in ninth or 10th grade, 10th grade, I think. And the Sunday school teacher, and I don't, I don't know how this, if this was churchwide, but this particular guy said, God does not speak to us today. We have the Bible. That's all we need. And I knew that that just couldn't be true. My grandmother had had a couple of experiences where God had told her to do something and against what she was planning to do. And it turned out to be exactly what needed to happen. And I tried to explain all that to this guy. And he said, no, 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 that doesn't happen today. Yeah. And that was the first thing that started me thinking, okay, maybe this guy doesn't know everything. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't trust everything he says. Yeah. And so wow. I just started really reading the Bible for myself and trying to get a sense of where it took me and what it said to me. And 
Um, anyway, then my mom, and well, let me back up. And I say, I think at this point in my life, my faith was basically what I had been taught to believe. This is what we believe. And right. I can remember actually way back in third grade, you know, they, they, they loved to quote every, we all still love to quote John three sixteen. Um, you know, God gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall have life everlasting. And in my own third grade little way, that just made so much sense to me. And I didn't have some big fancy conversion moment there in third grade, but I felt like, well, I know that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And it was just, I kind of always felt like I was a Christian, but I think your question is really a good one is when did I make it my own instead of just doing it because that's what I've been taught. Yeah. Well, so like you're already in high school, you were uh, so a couple things. First of all, I think that whole season is really important, right? Like it, it is like, we do, we have to learn scripture. We have to learn. Yeah. We have to learn the basics. We learn all these things. But then when we come to a place like you did in high school, where we start to think for ourselves and we start to go over it and, and start to ask those questions, that also is formative and it's super important. And I, I love that story because I had many of the same similar questions, right? Like the, the whole idea of like, hey, I see this in scripture. I don't see anybody doing these things in my church. Where's the power of the Holy Spirit? We say we believe in the Holy <laughs> Spirit, but we don't, right? And uh, or we don't practice it. We don't, we, I don't see it. And so, yeah, I totally resonate with that um, and, and get that. So. So anyway, my mom, as a, who I said was a Christian scientist, uh, said, well, if, you know, if you want to come to my church and see what, you know, if you can get any answers there. So I started going to the Christian Science Sunday School. And at least for me, it answered my questions about who God is, God's allness and his love and his supremacy. Uh, mm. One of the questions that I didn't like the way that was answered in my other church was, uh, you know, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Sure. The and, classic question. You know, I think that's the wrong question to ask. Mm-hmm. But because if you ask it that way, you're going to find reasons why God is doing things that don't sound very godlike. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, I think when I started when I started going to my mom's church is when I really started studying the Bible for myself and really trying to put things into practice for myself. And I can remember not too long after that, probably one of the first times when that happened was um, in in um, in the well, the Christian Science Church has like a day a weekly Bible study. Um, and so that week, one week, there was a passage where um, it says, you know, if you say you love your brother, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. <laughs> right. And I did not really like my little brother. <laughs> we used to fight a lot and it was all my fault. And I read that and I was totally, you know, busted because I, I said in my heart, I loved God, but here I had to confront this. And so I had to make a conscious choice to love my little brother. And I honestly got to where I did love him. I was actually putting that idea into practice in my life. And it completely turned uh, my relationship around with my brother. In fact, we're really good friends. We have been since that time. And, uh, you know, to me, it's 
that's kind of what my podcast is all about. Let's put this stuff into practice. You know, what does it mean to love your brother? That's easy to say, but I actually started making that commitment to follow what Jesus told us to do. Yeah, I love the really practical implication of that, right? For for many of us, we take brother being sort of metaphorical and, you know, sort of all humanity, but you, you, it was oh, really, right. it was really your brother. Like you're like, okay, I'm literally gonna, I'm going <laughs> to actually apply this to my brother. And, and it just shows to me how, how effective these ideas are when we follow mm. them, when we, when we live them out in our lives, they work. Yeah. Uh, you know, amen. Hey, I want to talk about the Christian scientist den- denomination. Is that okay? Like, I, yeah, th- yeah, sure. Because I think um, that might be, I don't, as far as I know, I don't think we've had anybody who, who is a Christian scientist on the show. What was, was there anything particular that, it, it, that attracted you there? Or is it just your mom went there? And so that was kind of your, well, that was, was kind of, I knew a little bit about it um, just tangentially before I started going in high school. One of the things that um, really appealed to me was their focus on getting back to the healing works of Jesus. Um, mm. The church was actually started by a woman in the 19th century who was basically on her deathbed. And she had this amazing experience where, you know, the doctor had come in the morning and said, well, you're not going to live through the day. And she asked for somebody to bring her Bible. And she read a story of Jesus healing someone, and, and she'd read that before, and all through her life, she'd wondered, well, why can't that happen today? This was like in the mid-1800s, uh, and all of a sudden that, mo- that day, she felt God's presence with her, and she was healed right there on the spot, and it's like, oh my gosh, what has happened? Because the, the church of her day was teaching that that only happened, you know, back in the early Still, apostolic yeah. age. Right. And of course, now we all are talking about healing. All the Christian churches are talking about healing. And there's so much going on in some, all the denominations I'm aware of. It's just beautiful to see. But um, so this was, for me, this was back in the 70s. And um, this, this whole idea of getting back to the healing power of God was really important to me. And I've had some pretty interesting healings myself over the years too. Uh, and also just the idea that God is infinite love mm-hmm. and he's not that this wrathful, vindictive deity up in the sky throwing thunderbolts at us, which, uh, or he's not some giant anthropomorphic man in the sky, like depicted in the Sistine Chapel. Of course, that's symbolic, but right. I, I've met people that actually do believe in this giant guy with the beard in the sky. <laughs> and that's just, that's, I can, uh, this is a dumb little thing. I hadn't thought about this in years, but I can remember in kindergarten, we were supposed to draw some picture. And so some little kid stood up and had a picture and his whole picture was filled with this sort of bubble shape. And the teacher said, what is that? And he said, and, and a little tiny little head and uh, arms and legs and says, oh, well, that's God because he's so big. Uh, and I can remember thinking at the time, no, God is, God is bigger than that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, God is infinite. What is, we don't even know what that word means. We use it, but um, so that was this, it, the Christian Science Church really has helped open my eyes to the 
infinite possibilities of what God is capable of and who he is and his power and his love and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I can appreciate that. Certainly some of the same things drew me to the spiritual formation movement, right? Like that's, that's kind of, yeah, kind of where I ended up. But, and I think a lot of, uh, I follow a lot of people on podcasts and books and stuff. And I think more and more people are coming to get to know God better as this infinite presence of, of love and light and truth and power and grace, uh, that's unconditional, that's unmitigated, um, you know. Yeah, I, I, and, and personal, right? And Yeah, and, and it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's right with us all right. the time. Right, and a lot of times it's just awareness of that. So, okay, I'd love to hear more because you said you had some some interesting healing experiences, so I'd love to hear some of that. Um, but so you were growing, you know, and then like where where did that kind of make that choice take you? in kind of your experience with God? Oh gosh. Well, he's still working on me. (laughs) Uh, Oh gosh. There's so many ways I could answer that question. I had, you know, when you're in high school, you think you know everything and you, um, you think you have all these answers and you're going to go out and change the world. And I kind of fell into that trap a little bit. I can remember even in college, um, I was thinking, oh, just give me a few guys and we'll go out and save the world today. I was just <laughs> totally on fire for telling people about God and sharing ideas and, you know, just helping people. And it didn't quite work out that quickly. <laughs> yeah. And I had all these grand schemes and ideals for what I thought God wanted me to do. And it's been a much more gradual process, I think, of God taking me and purifying me from my self-righteousness. And, you know, I was, un- if you think of the parable of the prodigal son, I was the older brother that stayed at home and had always mm. tried to do everything right. Yeah. And so I had that little judgmentalness in there of like, well, you know, and I've, I've long since gotten over that in many ways. But I never had, you know, I was never at the end of the, my rope on drugs. I was never, yeah, yeah. you know, I never had some of these serious problems. So um, I've had to learn in other ways. And I think most of it is humility. Um, oh, maybe 10 or so years ago, I was on a plane going out to a, a spiritual retreat in Idaho that I go to every year. And I was just feeling like I had completely, completely let God down for what I was supposed to do with my life and everything he had told me I was supposed to do. And, and, you know, I had not, I do not have some big illustrious career, uh, as a, as a church person or as an entrepreneur. And I just felt like I was a failure and, I was basically in tears on the plane. Fortunately, I was by myself. There was nobody sitting next to me. And so the tears just kind of came freely. And, and I, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I've just wasted my life. I haven't done the things you wanted me to. And he said to me, you are right where I want you. And that just blew me away. And then he, he, he sort of gave me this 
image of Moses out in the wilderness for 40 years after he had left Egypt the first time, before he went back at age 80 to then bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, he'd been wandering around up there for 40 years just taking care of sheep or wandering around, whatever. And I thought, wow, he must have felt like, uh, I wrote this poem about it uh, because I could just imagine Moses feeling like, well, I thought I had something important to do and all I'm doing is taking care of sheep and okay, yeah. God, well, I'm just learning how to trust you. And I, I realized that all these years, God has been preparing me for whatever he has for me to do. And, and there are moments of where that, you know, shows up very quickly, but I think there's a bigger plan and a bigger picture that now this podcast is, is, is part of, and my prison ministry, mm -hmm. which you mentioned. Um, and um, let's see, where was I going with this? I think that it's been a gradual process for me yeah. uh, to, to feel God's, influence in my life and feel his direction and, and kind of be on the path that he's chosen for me. And I may not even be answering your question. No, anymore. that's good. <laughs> I, I just want to emphasize friends. If you, did you hear that? Because you know what James just said that God, God has you where he wants you. Right. I know that was a specific thing that God said to you, but also, you know, it's worth, uh, it's worth trusting God with where you are in life. I could attest to that as well. I, spent, I told you earlier, I spent 10 years in a call center, right? I thought that was the world's worst. That, that's like that's like one of the <laughs> levels of hell in Dante, I'm pretty sure. But it, it's awful. And I thought God would never use it. But you know what God did is he took, he took those skills, learning to listen to a voice and ask questions and be quiet and, and do that and turn it into something else, right? So... That's what he so does. You're using, you're using that on your podcast now. 100%. Yeah. Every single yeah. week, right? So, and now now two podcasts, because I have uh, the Christian Podcaster, where we, where we right. talk to Christian podcasters as well. So, like, that that just is what, um, that is what he does. Anyway, friends, I just wanted to emphasize that for you. Like, I wanted to make sure you heard that, because you might feel discouraged. You might feel like 2020 was a bust or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know. Hey. <laughs> Remember, God uses those times. So I I I appreciate you sharing that, James. Um, so you t tell us about. I want to hear more about kind of how you were growing and and like what your expectations were for yourself because I I think we all kind of have that. It's a young man's hubris to think that we're gonna oh, change okay. the world, right? And that's that's that. I remember having those feelings. That's okay. But like, what did you want to do? What was it that you felt like God had put in your heart? Well, I wanted to share this message of God's healing power. Mm. And there are people in the Christian Science Church called Christian Science Practitioners. They actually commit their full time to praying for people, either for healing physical problems, resolving relationship issues, you know, whatever the, you know, we pray about all kinds of stuff. But these are people uh, that, you you can call. You don't have to be a member of the church to do it. You just call for, and it's a prayerful um, support system. Uh, it's kind of a one-on-one basis. It's not like team prayer. It's a one-on-one, one-on-one, you know, really focused prayer. And um, 
that was one thing I thought I was going to go out and I was going to heal everybody that came and asked me to pray for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't quite happen. Right. I have had people call me and have been healed when I've prayed for them. Uh, and I've had healings myself as well. And I felt like, you know, this, well, I was trying to decide where I should be in the body of Christ instead of letting God decide mm. and let, instead of realizing where God was putting me. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and so I think part of this humbling process over many years has been, okay, God, here I am. You put me where you want me. You use me in the way you've prepared me to do whatever you want me to do. And, and I just want to be his tool, his servant to help in whichever way he wants me to. I don't have a plan now as far as I have to have this position or I have to do that mm -hmm. thing. It's like, okay, um, where are we going today? <laughs> right. You know? Right. And being open to that. Yeah. And, and, and finding freedom in that. I heard a speaker one time many years ago, I think the title of his talk was writing easy in the harness. And he was talking about how wild horse has all this freedom of spirit, but he's just out there being a horse all by himself. Yeah. Now, that's kind of a funny way to put it. But when he is trained and has a bit and a harness, he can accomplish so much more when he's not fighting that harness. And so when we submit to God's will and we quit fighting it, we can accomplish so much more. Yeah. Uh, and it's not us that's doing it. It's really God doing it through us. And so how because, did you, yeah. how did you learn that? <laughs> through um, falling on my face, you well, know, a well, few give, times. Give me an example. Okay, well, so my first job out of college was actually working for the Christian Science Headquarters, which is in Boston, Massachusetts. And I was pretty full of myself, and I was there to work for God and, you know, all that stuff. And I, I didn't have all my own problems worked out, but I was conscientious, and I, was, I worked hard and diligently, and so I was told several times, well, we'd love to give you a promotion, but we don't have a position yet. And they kept telling me that for so long um, that I kind of started thinking I was somebody special. <laughs> and I started acting in a way that was very prideful. And so when a position did open up, um, I was not, I was not uh, given the I was not given the raise. And, um, and that happened several times. People that had been there much, uh, sh uh, sh much less time than I had yeah. got promoted before I was. And that was a real blow to Mr. Ego. Yeah. You know, and I, it, it made me pray though, in ways that I would not have otherwise. It made me listen to God. It made me listen to God more than I would have if I had just gone up the ladder of success, so-called. Um, and I am really grateful now that I didn't get those promotions. Um, you know, that, that was a long time ago, but that was kind of one of the first times that I realized um, you've got to keep that ego in check. And you don't always realize that you've, you're, you're being influenced that way. 
Uh, but God will, God will show show it to you. Uh, yeah, you know, one one way or another. Yeah, well, I love that, and you know, I know people can relate to that. Um, so it sounds like that was kind of a humbling experience for you. Yeah, and the funny thing was, I kind of at the same time had a very negative view of myself, as well as an over inflated view of myself. Uh, it was yeah. a very interesting dichotomy seemingly, but they're kind of the same coin, just different sides of the same coin of, you know, being really negative about yourself is ego in a negative way, but it's still the ego. It's all insecurity, isn't it? Yeah, it's all insecurity. And so I went and talked to actually was a Christian science practitioner. And he said to me, um, I was complaining about something and he said, James, you can't think you're better than other people. And I was thinking that I was not as good as other people. And I went home that afternoon and I read everything I could find in the Bible about humility and being humble. Mm. And that was probably one of the biggest turning points in my life, certainly in early on of really getting myself out of the way and letting God take over. And I felt like I'd come back home to who I really was because all that stuff about the promotions and, you know, it, it, it was taking me me down a path that, that was not natural uh, to me anyway. Um, Anyway, so I I think it's so important to realize, um, well, and it takes practice and it and it takes the more we do it, the better we get of asking God for direction, listening for his voice, putting aside our personal opinions, you know, uh, that takes a that's a daily process. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I think God does that those kinds of things with with uh, moments like that when we're a little bit. um well, for whatever reason, we're disappointed. We we feel like, did you feel like God wasn't taking care of you in that season? No, I I That's never felt like he wasn't taking care of me. I felt like I had um, tried to take care of myself, I guess you could mm. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that never works as well. Not for long anyway. Right. So you felt like you kind of stepped in where God needed to be, perhaps? Yeah. And um, anyway, uh, fortunately, I... I was able to let go of that and, and get back on track. So, yeah. And that's been a good lesson for, you know, other times when that's happened uh, to get back in God's way of doing things and yeah, see how he's going to work it out. You mentioned that, uh, we mentioned earlier that you uh, were a stay at home dad. Yeah. How'd that shape you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was, that was a wonderful experience. Um, when, when we got married, we, lived, we were living in New York City for the first two and a half years. Then we moved to Connecticut when my oldest daughter was six months old. I did not know anybody, didn't have any family around. My wife was working in New York City as a structural engineer, so she'd commute down to the city every day. And I had this six-month-old baby. And um, it was hard at first because I felt like I was isolated out in the middle of nowhere. I'd go to the playgrounds and stay-at-home dads at that point were still kind of a new yeah. thing. And I'd go to the playground and the moms would look at me like, don't come near my child. <laughs> yeah. 
and that that changed pretty quickly over the next few years. Um, but I can remember it taught me so much about love. I can remember one time when my little girl was probably two or three and we were at the grocery store and she had one of those little miniature grocery carts. Yeah. And she was following me and we were going out of one aisle and turning the corner and she, she hovered really closely to keep close to my cart. And I felt like I was the mother whale and she was the (laughs) baby whale kind of staying close. And it just gave me this surge of love that, I had never felt before. Uh, I can remember when my son was uh, a little baby and I'd be changing his his diaper or giving him as a bottle. I was just overcome with a love that I had never felt before. The same thing with my youngest daughter as well. And it just, um, it helped me understand more what love is and that that's just a metaphor in a way for how much God loves us. Uh, it's just a hint at how much God loves us. And, you know, he changes our dirty diapers all the time. Right. <laughs> I'd say, and he doesn't keep them and say, here, this is yours. He gets rid of them. Right. And I think that's really important because he doesn't keep score. He, he, he cleans us up and sends us on our way and said, okay, go have fun. <laughs> I mean, it's a little more complicated than right, that. Right, right. You know, but that's the quote, James. That's the one I'm going to put all over social media. He changes our dirty diapers. <laughs> there you go. Every day. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's fantastic. Very cool. Well, that, that, yeah, that, that's amazing. I, I do think that shapes you. I, there's nothing like being a parent. And I, I know, you know, not everybody has that opportunity, but wow, it is such a beautiful thing, right? When you do to, to hold your kid and, and to, it just, it changes the way you think of, think of love. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I made my share of mistakes for sure. Um, uh, especially as I got older. Um, but it was, I mean, it's still being a parent. My kids are now, uh, all in their twenties and you know, it, God is still teaching me how to love. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's beautiful. Isn't that it? Um, okay. So, eventually and you you mentioned you got into prison ministry like how'd you how'd you start doing that because i know that's a passion of yours yeah yeah well it's interesting because probably about 15 years ago um i was working with this lady who had started this prison ministry and she'd go out and she'd do a bible study every week and she said james i'd really love it if you would come and help me with this and at that point i was like oh my gosh I don't think I could do that. I don't think I'm ready to go talk to prison, you know, criminals, that sort of a thing. And I think I just wasn't ready. I wasn't comfortable enough with myself. I did. I, you know, I think, well, how do I put this? I very early on back in high school, even in junior high, I can say the right words. I can quote the Bible and I can wow. say all the things I'm supposed to say, but it gets back to like you were saying, when are you putting this into practice in your own life? When are you living in your own life? And as I said, that's been a gradual process for me, learning process. But I was going through a time probably that 15 years ago where I didn't feel like I was living my faith as deeply as I knew I could. And so when she asked me to help 
her out with this Bible ministry. I said, oh my gosh, I'm such a hypocrite. I couldn't possibly go out there and tell people about God. And <laughs> I haven't had all these problems they have. They're not going to listen to me. And so I said, no. Well, about three years later, someone who had been helping that woman who had then left, and now she was looking for someone to help her, called me up and said, James, I've been praying about this. It seems to me like you're the right one to come help me do this prison ministry. And it's like, oh, okay, all right, oh, all right, I'll pray about it. But I, I sort of already felt in my heart that that was the right thing to do. And so this was like, let's see, October of 2008 when I started going out to the, this is in Danbury, Connecticut. There's mm -hmm. a federal correctional institution there. And so I started going out doing weekly Bible study. And um, I've just been so blessed by that. It's kind of all on hold right now with the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, which is too bad. So I haven't been out there since March of 2020. Um, uh, but I've had such amazing conversations with people and I'm not, I'm not there trying to convert somebody to my church. I'm not trying to convert them to my way of thinking. I have people in my Bible studies that are from lots of different denominations. And I love that because we talk about, it's okay to have some disagreements here. We can all learn from each other. We're kind of like sometimes the five blind men, each touching the elephant at a different place. And we each think we know what the elephant is, but there's so much more to who God is and what he can do in our lives than any one person has experienced. And so we talk about, well, this is what the Bible says, but one person thinks it means one thing, one person thinks it means another. And so let's talk about this. What can we learn? How can we apply these ideas on our own lives? And, you know, it's so rewarding when someone says, they call me Mr. Early. Mr. <laughs> Early, I have, my faith has been restored from being in your Bible study. Wow. And it's like, I didn't feel like I did anything. We just were talking about how they can pray and how they can talk to God and, and how to, what does it mean to love your enemies? <laughs> you know, those kinds of yeah. things. And uh, a lot of people have, have, have said that to me that they have rediscovered their faith um, or they've gotten their questions answered. And it just is, uh, it's a very powerful, um, rewarding activity. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I think that's true. You know, that I'm just convinced that absolutely the, the experience of God, like we all have to have those experiences, right? Like scripture tells us who he is. He reveals himself. Jesus obviously reveal, he reveals who God is, but then we have to, we have to experience him. We have to be in relationship with him, right? Or else we can't, that's, we can't that's do that. Right. Yeah. And so actually that's, um, that's what I talked about and I think my most recent episode of my podcast is um, how do we experience God's love? It's one thing to say God loves you, but how do you actually experience that? Yeah. And um, uh, and how many people a, don't? Like that, doesn't that, bo that bothers me, right? Well, because, because it's all in the head and that's kind yeah. of where I was, um, you know, many, many years ago and it's, uh, yeah, but, but feeling that love is, is, is an incredibly powerful thing. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's uh, nothing can take the place you, of that. You mentioned you were serving at Danbury. This is like the orange is the new black prison. 
Yeah, that's right. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched a few of those episodes. It's like, you know, it's TV. I, I. Oh know. yeah, I'm sure it's nothing like that for real. But I talked to some of the the staff out there that said, "Well, I'm supposedly such and such a person in that in that in episode 12 or something." You know. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I couldn't really watch the show because that was not my experience. The people who came to my Bible studies really were sincere and earnest and trying to, you know, just rediscover God in their lives or get a deeper understanding of the Bible. Some of the people knew the Bible better than I did almost, you know, so we wow. were all learning. We were all learning from each other. I love that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I would I can't say I recommend that show to anybody, by the way, just for <laughs> further for the record. I did listen to the audio to the book uh that it was based on, which is kind of an interesting story. Her story was interesting, but the the show goes into way other it's fictionalized, right? But yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh okay, so fascinating. Um James, you eventually started your podcast, The Bible Speaks to You. So like I know kind of why, why you started, but what was going on? Like, why did, did you feel like that was the next thing for you? That's a really good question. And it actually came out of my prison ministry because I was putting together these Bible studies um, on certain topics. Like the first one was how to pray like Jesus. And I'm actually working on a book about that. And then I had one on all the, healings that Jesus performed. I did one on all the angels in the Bible, all the, mm. um, all the, all the women in the Bible, the women love that. Yeah. I haven't done that for the men yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more. Um, and then I did one on the Holy ghost, the Holy spirit, what it is and what it does and how it works in us. And so I was repeating these Bible studies anywhere. They were six to nine months long each. And because of the revolving door of people coming and going. By the time I went through all four or five of those, I had a new batch of people and I just kind of recycled these. And the more I did these, I thought, I this is good. People are finding this really helpful. I need to find a way to get this message out to reach more people. And because I felt like it wasn't it wasn't me personally giving this message. These were things that God had revealed to me. And I learned a lot from, as I said, from the people in the Bible studies. And so that's kind of the thing that prompted doing the, to starting the podcast is wanting to find a broader audience. And now after a year of the Bible Speaks to You podcast, I have had people in 85 countries wow. listen to at least one episode right. of my show. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know Egypt, Saudi Arabia, you know all kinds of countries that you never would necessarily expect. Um, anyway, so that's that's kind of the the way God has prepared me. I think doing these Bible studies for the inmates gave me a sense of confidence and trust in God. He he helped me find he helped me find my voice. Mm. Um, and so now I have that voice on the podcast and, you know, who knows where that will lead. Um, as I said, I'm working on a book. I'd love to do some, maybe some online courses in the future. I'm not quite there yet, but, um, 
you know, I, I am one of many voices of sharing what the Bible, sharing the promise of what's in the Bible and, and getting back to what Jesus is talking about and, and following him. And that's kind of what I'm all about. Yeah. Does this feel to you like the culmination of those desires that you had as a young man to kind of share the good news of the world? Uh, I think, I mean, as far as it might be different. Yeah. It's just, it's totally not my expectation of how it would happen, which is fine. Right. But it, it is certainly the spirit of what I felt called to do. Um, and, you know, um, in some ways, I feel like the podcast is just the beginning yeah. of God finally saying, okay, finally, you got your act together. Now we can get somewhere. It, right. <laughs> well, yeah. Or it may just be, hey, you're, you're in a place where you can do it from a spirit of service, right? Instead of. Instead of look at me. Yeah. 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 Right. Which, totally. hey, let's be honest. That's a problem in Christian ministry, right? Like this is one of the reasons I love podcasting because people like you, I think myself, others who otherwise don't have the opportunity to get on the platform, they're never going to get up in front of of church and share a sermon or get all the attention, the glory and the money. But man, you're sharing in 80 plus countries, right? With, With believers all over the world, maybe people who aren't believers who are finding Jesus for the first time. Um, because of what, what you're sharing, I know that halfway there is the same way. And right. I think this is the, the, um, this is how the gospel is going to go out in the 21st century and beyond. I, and totally, I totally agree. And, you know, I think the beauty of, of all these different podcasts and which, however, anyone is preaching the word to me, it's, I, I liked, I, I love Paul's analogy of uh, the church being the body of Christ. And we're all different members in that body. You know, you've got the hands and the feet and the toenails and the, (laughs) you know, all elbows, everything. We're all, we all have our place. And I used to tease uh, or kid kid myself, well, I'm probably just a little toenail (laughs) in the body of Christ. But I think, I think more recently God has revealed to me that I'm part of the skin because to me, it's the, the, what does the skin do? It unifies. It's that unifying factor mm. in the body. And to me, however much we might disagree with each other theologically, um, we're still, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the Messiah, that's, that's the only litmus test I need. After <laughs> that, boy, we can have some theological conversations and, you know, not everybody agrees with everyone, but it's not your theology that gets you into heaven. It's not your theology that allows you to wow. see that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the fact that God loves you. It's the fact his grace is there that Jesus came and showed us the way of life. And um, I, I, I have found I've, the things I've learned in my prison ministry to go back to that for a minute is. Some people have more faith in their theology than they have in God. And I I was having this theological conversation with this woman about an important point, but she was so sure she was right. And um, 
I, she, she was going to pray that I accepted what she said was true. And I said, do you want me to believe something just because you told me it was true or because God told me? She said, oh, okay. I said, how about if we both pray for God to open our eyes to see more of who he is? And she said, okay, we can, we can do that. Yeah. Right. You so, can't argue with that, right? Like, how do you argue yeah, you with that? Like, and so uh, at the end of the day, I could be wrong on some theological points. But I have to be honest with what God has prepared me to see up to this point. And if, if, if I need to see something else, I pray God will share that with me. Uh, so to me, the members of the body of Christ, we see things from a different perspective. Like if you took uh, six smartphones and pasted them on your body, one on your head, one on your shoulders, one on your waist, your knees, and your foot, and then one on your back, and you turn the video on and you walk down the street, your body would be going through just one event, but each of those six videos would show something different because they right. saw it from a different perspective. Now, if you made that a, a theological uh, type of a problem, you know, we are looking at things, we look at the Bible differently. We have a different perspective. We bring our own culture to it. And um, yeah, I, I just don't have a problem with these theological problems anymore. I, I'm just, I want, I'm interested in, in the fact that, Hey, this is a child of God here. And, uh, yep. let's, let's see what we can anyway. So back to this whole podcast and reaching out as you were talking about in the 21st century with a podcast, I think all these different voices, yours, mine, I have a lot of Christian podcasting friends. We're all saying we all have a different message in one way, but in another way, it's the same. And God is using it all to reach the people that are ready to hear what they need to hear at that moment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to feel like you're a part of a bigger picture, but it's hard to always see what that bigger picture is. Right. So you just have, have to trust what God has led you to do to do that and, you know, rejoice that other people are doing things. Because you're reaching people I can't reach, and maybe I'm reaching people you're not, and right. all these other people too. And it's just all working together in this. I think if Christians could really appreciate each other across all denominational barriers, we could accomplish so much more good for the cause of Christ. I 100% agree. Of, instead of squabbling with each other over some theological nitpickery. Uh, yes. Well, so where it gets dicey, I think, for some people is our, our friends um, who are deeply committed to truth. I'll just say it that way. Um, they like, so your analogy with the smartphones, right? Like they look at that and they go, yeah, but that's all relativism. Well, there's one truth, right? It's just the perspective that on um, which you're you're observing the truth from. God is known or he, he has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And so let's let's talk about that. Um, but I also, but I totally agree that we have more in common than we don't if we just would, uh, you know, put some of those things aside and and see each other through the lens of Jesus. That's all we really, really need. I absolutely agree with that. I've been kind of on that train for a while, spent my 20s arguing about everything. And <laughs> but I was in seminary, right? I was, I was in, I was in Bible you, school and seminary and that's what we do. Yeah. Because you were right. And everybody I else was, was right. wrong. Well, I was, I was searching, <laughs> like I, I read like the Calvinism Arminian issue, which a pretty Calvinist school. So I would go, um, 
and read both sides of that, read different books. Right. And so, but I've, anyway, that's, it's just all that, but uh, yeah, it doesn't, I'm not sure it was forming, but I'm not sure it has as much value today. I'm with you. Like, uh, I think what matters is what Jesus said and I'm going to follow that. So, um, man, I love that. James, people can find you at the Bible speaks to you.com. I believe. Is that right? The Bible speaks to you. That's the best place to get a hold of me. Absolutely. And, uh, that's where they can reach you. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, you know, I have, um, well, I'd love to invite your listeners to subscribe to my podcast. And um, if you go to the Bible speaks to you.com forward slash mindset, there's a special form there. I've put together a PDF on praying with the mindset of Jesus. And it's not exhaustive, but it's about three pages of ideas of, you know, how Jesus saw things. What was the lens that he looked through? How did he think? And um, I think the more we think about those things, it, it makes our prayers more effective. Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. Well, there's another huh. uh, idea that we haven't barely scratched the surface on, right. uh, you know, in, our, in, the, in the Christian world. Uh, so this is just a little taste of how to pray the way Jesus did, really. So if they sign up for the blog, um, I mean, for the podcast, they will get that uh, PDF, and uh, uh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to have them uh, listen to my podcast, and and I'd love to hear what they have have to say. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear how they have put the ideas of Jesus into practice in their lives. Amen. Love that. All right, friends, you can find once again James at thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Pick up that uh, praying with the mind of Jesus. And I've got links to that at halfwaytherepodcast.com, as always, just to make it easy for you. Friends, um, yeah, it is it is possible to live in the kingdom of God today. That's, that's the calling and I think the good news. James, thanks so much for being here and sharing with us. Hey, Eric, it's been great. I really appreciate it.